0: Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon and be blessed. You may be seated. It is so great to see you this morning. I want to ask if you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me over to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm also going to read a passage of scripture from Genesis chapter 1. So we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today, but we're going to look specifically at two uh, separate passages. Genesis chapter 1, not going to look at a lot there, uh, but we will look at uh, that first verse in Genesis chapter 1, and then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And so we're beginning to dive into 21 days of prayer and fasting and what that actually means for us. What does it mean to go through 21 days of prayer and fasting? What does it mean for us? as a congregation to spend more time in prayer? What does it mean for us as individuals to spend some time fasting, to spend a little bit of time uh, with—some additional time uh, with the Lord in prayer? And so, uh, we're going to look at these passages of Scripture, and I hope this morning that they become something that actually shapes every single one of us. I'm going to mention this a couple of times, and Pastor Brooke has already mentioned it, but I want— you to make it a priority to be with us two weeks from tonight uh, at six o'clock on the 28th as we spend time in worship and prayer together. I think it's important for us to do that as a congregation, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to spend time in prayer and worship together. And so we're going to do that on that evening. It'll only be about an hour that we'll spend together, so from 6 to 7 o'clock. If you could put that on your schedule, I would greatly appreciate it, because I believe over these next three weeks that we spend in prayer and fasting, that God is going to move in a bold and powerful way in the life of our church. And the way that God moves in a bold and powerful way in the church is always through individuals. And so that's through you. Uh, Because you are the church, you comprise the, the bride of Christ. Absent believers, there is no church. And so you are the church. And so I encourage you in this time to intently seek God, experience His presence in a new and a fresh way, and hear boldly from His throne of mercy and grace over these next three weeks. So if you would put that time on the 28th in prayer and fasting, I'm going to remind you again a little later because I really want us to be together and worship on that night. So as we begin thinking through prayer and fasting, I'm going to share several. Things with you today, and I hope that there are some practical pieces that you can actually pick up on so that you can apply them even later today, as well as over these um, next 20 days that we spend in prayer and fasting. But as I was thinking about today, Um, and thinking about the Scripture that I'm going to share. And we'll have a lot of Scripture, and so I want you to follow along and take some notes, jot some of these passages down, and revisit them over these next three weeks. But as I was thinking about today, what I actually was thinking in prayer and fasting, and what does that mean? Like if someone just came up to me on the street, and they said, what is prayer and fasting? Your church is talking about prayer and fasting. You're encouraging everyone to spend some time in prayer and fasting. What is prayer and fasting? And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. But the way that I'm viewing prayer and fasting Is exactly the way that you would think about building a house or building something. So, whenever you prepare to build a house, you have to have the right tools, right? You have to have the right plan. You're not going to build a house with only a hammer and a Phillips screwdriver, right? Some of you, which which one's a Phillips? That's the plus one. That's the one that makes the plus. So, you, can't, you can use those tools, right? You'll need a Phillips screwdriver, and you're going to need a hammer, but you're going to need a lot more than just those two tools to actually build a house. Or if you think about operating a vehicle. Whenever you operate a vehicle, some of you may think the only thing that I need to do to make this car work is whenever the gauge gets over to the E, and that means empty, all I have to do is go to the gas station and put some gas in the car, and then the car is going to just run forever and ever and ever. But we forget it's not only gas that moves a car, that operates a car, right? There's a lot more to that. You have to change the oil in the engine every once in a while. You have to put on new tires, otherwise the tires are going to fall apart, and then you're not going to be able to move forward. You have to make sure that all of the operational stuff in there, now there's computers on cars, and so you have to make sure that everything is operational. It's not only gas that moves a car forward, but there's much more to it. And so to make that really practical, the way that I'm thinking about this three weeks of prayer and fasting is exactly the way that you would think about building a house or the way that you would think about operating a car. Coming to church on Sunday morning isn't what propels your walk with Jesus Christ. Now that's a piece of it. That's the Phillips screwdriver, and that's the hammer of building a house. That's the gas that you put in a car to make it go forward. But there's a lot more to it than just coming to church on Sunday morning. And if you're doing that, praise the Lord. You've taken one step, and now I want to encourage you to take another step and another step. Our goal at Whitechapel Church for this year is is for you to move closer to Jesus Christ. And the way that we begin that journey is to spend a time committed in prayer and in fasting. But you have to have the right tools, and prayer and fasting, I believe, are those exact tools. So Genesis 1-1, one passage of Scripture, just a few verses, or just a few words from this passage of Scripture, and I believe that we go back to the beginning so that we can walk forward in boldness into the future. So we're going back to the beginning. Genesis 1-1 uses that exact word, the beginning. And so Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is what you could call a life rule, or a life principle, if you will. It's the, the principle of first. What is there in the first? What is there in the beginning? And Genesis 1-1 reminds us that God was at work in the beginning. It's the first four words in the Bible. No matter what translation you pick, this is exactly what is comprised in the beginning of the Bible. Whatever language, it's this, in the beginning, God. And this is the key to living a fulfilled life on the earth. You can find a lot of things to try to satisfy you. You can take a lot of worldly possessions and try to put them into your life or apply them into your life, but if you leave out these first four words of the Scripture, then you've missed everything, and you will never live a life satisfied and a life fulfilled. In the beginning, God. So, this is taking us back to the principle of first. If we put God first in everything, then… Everything is actually going to work out. Jesus actually said it this way in Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. Seek first, Jesus said, His kingdom. Seek first His righteousness. He did not say, seek first what it means to live a good life. That's not, that's not what Jesus has said. He did not, Jesus did not say, seek first the needs that you actually have in life, and then come back to God and bring those needs to God in prayer. And then everything is going to be added to you. But Jesus intentionally took us back to what was taking place in Genesis 1-1, so that we have the same order and structure in our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Just the way that God was at work in the beginning. In the beginning, God. You know, that's one of the reasons why we dedicate our children. It's reminding us that children are truly a gift from God. It reminds us that in the beginning of this child's life, God was at work. The psalmist David said it another another way. He knit me together in my mother's womb. God was there at the beginning of the formation of a child. And in the formation of a child's life, God was at work. And so, what would it be like in our life, in all of our lives, if we put God first in every area? What would it be like if God was first in your marriage? What would it be like if God was first in your relationship with your children and with your other family members? What would it be like if God was first in your job? Maybe not in the specific, uh, the specific company, because you may not own the company. You may own the company. But for your specific job, what if God was first in everything you did there? What if you put God first in your finances? What if you put God first in every single day of your life. You see, this principle of first, or in the beginning, that we actually discover here in Genesis 1-1, is the same thing that Jesus is reminding us in Matthew chapter 6, and it's the same thing that we have to apply in our life every single day, even right now, in 2024. I almost said 2023. So this past week, every single day. I've been thinking about this. What is it like to put God first in some area? What is it like to put God first here? What is it like to put God first here? What is it like to put God first here? And every single day, and I'm not kidding, I I don't drive a whole lot, um, but as I was driving every single day this week, I heard that last song that we sang, and I asked Pastor Jordan, I've never asked Pastor Jordan, can we sing this song on Sunday morning? The Holy Spirit speaks to Pastor Jordan, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and we don't allow each other to influence how the Lord leads us, because we believe in the power of the Word of God. And the same thing He speaks to Him, and you see it in our… you see it on Sunday morning as the songs often, so often, so often, almost every single time align with with the, the message that I'm actually preaching. Well, that's the Holy Spirit at work. But I asked Pastor Jordan for the first time in just over three years. Could we please sing that song? Um, I wanted to call it "He Won't." <laughs> I don't know the name, of it, but it's "Firm Foundation." I had to Google it to find out the right the right words. Um, but I want you to hear the words. We sang them, and the Spirit of God was at work as we were singing that song. But I want you to hear the words of these songs again, of this song again. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. You know what that you know what that declares? He's first. He's first. He's the foundation. He's the beginning. The first thing you lay is you prepare the ground and you lay a foundation. He's first. He's the rock on which, which I stand. And if that is true in your life, then the next lyric says, When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. You see, if you put God first in your life, the promise of Scripture and what God's children have experienced throughout all of time, if He's first, you will discover that He won't let you down, that He won't fail you, that He is there, and He is always at work. The next piece that really hit me every single time I was in the car this week, this song came on, the next piece that hit me so strong is this, I'm not held by my own strength, Because I built my life on Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful in every season. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. This is why we have to put God first. Because if we put anything else before God, then what we will experience is failure every single time. So we ask the question, God, why is my life falling apart? Why is this? Why is this? Why is this? We come to God in those situations, and more often than not, what we will discover in those, if we would be honest with ourselves, those situations, is that when we get to that place, we've often put other things before God. But whenever we put God first, in the beginning God, when we put Him first, then we've got a solid foundation, and we would be able to sing that song as our testimony that He never fails us. So what I'm asking you to do over these next three weeks I'm just asking for 21 days, for your sake, what I'm asking you to do over these next three weeks is simply be committed to putting God first in every area of your life and then giving the testimony. Put God first and then tell all about it. Put God first and see how He won't let you down and then tell other people about it. What this three weeks, I believe, for you and me is going to be is a true consecrated time with God in prayer and fasting, and then watching and celebrating the way that God is actually working. Put God first, that first principle has been at work since Genesis 1-1, and has been at work all the way up until today because it is true. It's a truth that we can't change. And the interesting thing, whenever you go back and you look at God's children, whenever they spent a time in bondage, whenever they spent some time in slavery, and God led them out, this is what God said. And God spoke these words. It's Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. And this is what God said to them. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. This is what we would say is the first commandment, right? Have no other gods before me. Now, when we think of this passage of Scripture, we begin to actually think of maybe some other God that we could actually put some names, some other false God that we could put some names on. And whenever we hear that, don't have any other gods before him, we think, okay, don't put this false God above God. But the truth of what God is actually saying to his people here is, I don't want you to love anything before me. I don't want you to put anything in your life before me. I don't want you to love anything more than you love me. That's what God was saying in Exodus chapter 5. And we often think, oh, you know what? I live my life and I worship the one true God. I worship Jesus of Nazareth. I worship Yahweh, the true God. And we think, I have no other gods before Him. But we go on living our life with a lot of other loves that we put in front of God. And this is, what Jesus, or this is what God is addressing in Exodus chapter 5. I don't want you to love anything more than you actually love me. That's what he's saying. And so I believe in these 21 days that we're going to journey together. God is going to begin to reveal some things that we love a whole lot in our life, that we need to stop loving so much so that we can actually love him more. And the way that you get there is through prayer and fasting. And I want to talk about these two things. First, I want to talk about prayer with you this morning. Prayer. What is prayer? I really believe if we were to go around the room this morning and to ask ourselves the question and ask you to answer, what is prayer? A lot of us, the majority of us, would come up with all total different answers because it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And what I want to drive you to is simply having a conversation with God. And what I want to ask you to do in these next three weeks is to start your day with God. In the first of each day, would you give God 15 minutes? That's all I'm asking for is 15 minutes. In the first part of the day. Now remember, Genesis 1-1 tells us the promise of Scripture. In the beginning, God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all of these other things are going to be added to you. So what I'm asking you to do is over these next three weeks, just three weeks is all I'm asking for, 21 days, all I'm asking you to do is spend the first 15 minutes of that day with God. Would you write that down and would you commit to that? Give God the first 15 minutes of your day, and I'm not saying, oh, whenever I get to the office, I'm going to give God my 15 minutes, and I'm not saying, whenever you get to the end of the day, give God those 15 minutes. I really am asking you to spend the first 15 minutes of your day with God. In the beginning, God, what would it look like if every day you got up and you said, God, You created this day, and God, you created me, and I and this day am created to give you glory. And so in the beginning, you were at work. Jesus asked us to put you first in all things and seek you and your righteousness, and then everything else is going to fall into alignment. These things will come to pass, and so I'm going to give you 15 minutes of my day. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. And I want to ask you, for some of you, you may seem like, well, well, that's nothing. I already do that. If you do, that's great. Give God an additional 15 minutes. I want to ask you to break it, that 15 minutes, I want to ask you to break it up into three five-minute segments. Spend the first five minutes worshiping. Spend the next five minutes talking. And then spend the last five minutes listening. Just simple. Worship, talk, and listen worship, talk, and listen. Just simple 15 minutes. This is how I want you to begin your day in prayer. This is the prayer that I want to ask you to commit to. Worship, talk, listen. 15 minutes. Worship, talk, listen. Some of us, we may need to set a five-minute timer on our watch, on our phone, on our uh, tablet, or whatever, So that we remember, okay, we're going to move to the next thing. We're going to move to the next thing. So then that way we are moving through these three things because these are three vital components to prayer that make up prayer. And when we talk about what is prayer, it's these three things. We can add some more things. We can look at some other things. But I think in the important part of your day, in beginning your day, you've got to do these three things with God. Worship Him, talk to Him, and then listen to Him. The last part is important because how will you know where you need to put him first in other areas of your life if you're not listening to him? It would be like having a relationship with somebody and doing all the talking and doing no listening. That's a one-sided relationship. And that's a relationship, at some point, everything is going to begin to crumble, because there has to be talking, and then there has to be listening. You can talk, But you have to listen. And this is how we have to live our life in prayer with Jesus. 15 minutes. Worship for five, talk for five, and listen for five. And then, what I want to ask you to do in those five minutes that you're listening is grab a piece of paper and a pencil and write down what you sense God saying to you, what you think God is saying back to you. Write it down. And then begin to test what God is saying to you. In the Scriptures, test it with other people, other believers and followers of Christ. And then begin to apply in your life the things that He's asking of you. If you'll do this, I promise you, you'll see God show up and move in a very bold, powerful way in your life that will stir inside of you a hunger for more of God that you've never had before. I promise you. So would you do this over these next three uh, three weeks, these next 21 days? Kind of this prayer pattern that I'm giving to you is really asking God, where are we going? And then charting a course to actually get there. I talked about that last week. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, go to um, our Facebook page, go to our YouTube page, and watch that sermon because I talked about what it's like to actually chart a course to actually get there. But this 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes of the day with God in prayer, is what's going to help you chart the course to where He wants to lead you over over this next year. And that's why we're starting in January with this, because it's the first of the year. So then throughout the year, we can follow the map that He actually has prepared for us. And I was thinking about what it's going to be like over this year as we follow wherever God is leading us. I talked last week about putting in your GPS and then actually getting there. And what it's like to have to recalibrate and chart a new course sometimes when you get off of course. And this week, um, as I was thinking about that and thinking about these first 15 minutes and the map that God is leading us in your life and in, together as a church, I got to thinking several years ago. We still lived in Jacksonville, and there were some of my family that um, came down from Missouri, and they um, spent some time with us, and they were getting ready to go back. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. It was none, none of our family. It wasn't me or Melissa. It was some of my family from Missouri. Uh, But they were getting ready to go back, and this one person was actually driving. And the other person in the passenger seat said to the driver, now what you're going to do is you eventually get to 75, and when you get on to 75, just stay right on 75. You're just going to keep going all the way through Georgia, right on Interstate 75. And so the driver said, okay, I can actually do that. They're driving and driving and driving And it seemed as if they were going through Atlanta forever and ever. Well, the passenger actually woke up, and after they became oriented to where they were at, they realized that they were not driving on 75, they were driving on 675, which is one of those bypasses around Atlanta. And what happens in a bypass is it never ends, right? It circles the entire city. And the driver was going in circles around Atlanta and thought in their mind that they were on 75 and they were doing the exact thing that they needed to do, not realizing that they had already circled the entire city of Atlanta at least two times that we can count and possibly additional times. This is why you've got to spend time in prayer, and this is why you've got to give God the first 15 minutes of the day. Otherwise, there are going to be some 675s in your life that you're just going to go in circles and circles and circles and circles and circles. The truth of the Scripture, the promise of Scripture, is a God that loves you wants to order your steps. And the Scripture talks to us about that. He wants to tell you the right road to take. But the way that you stay on the right road is that you stay in prayer with Him. Had the driver awoken the passenger and said, I think this is right, do I stay on 675 or is it 75, the passenger would have said, nope, just stay straight on 75 and we're going to go. But instead, the trip cost them at least an additional two to three hours that was unnecessary because they were not in tune with the one who knew the route. How often do we live that way in our life? We say, oh, God, I've got it, right? You've got a lot going on right now. There's so much happening in the world, God. I'm not going to bother you. I've been down this road before, and I know how to navigate this road. You know what that is? God, I've lived Tuesdays all over. I've, I've done a lot of Tuesdays in my life. And so I'm going to be okay this Tuesday because it's just another Tuesday. In fact, God, I had a Tuesday seven days ago, and I made it just fine through that Tuesday. So you worry about the wars and the rumors of wars and the people that are starving and the people that need you more than I need you, and I'll be okay. I'll be able to get through this Tuesday on my own. You know what you're saying when you do that? Is you're just saying, God, I'm going to drive in this circle, this 675 in my life, and I'm going to just keep going and going and going and going until I finally get to the point to where I don't know where I'm going, and then I'm going to ask you a question. But what would it be like if we started every day with God? If we said to God, this day is so important because you made it, and I am so important to you because you made me and you redeemed me and filled me with your Spirit. I'm going to give you the first 15 minutes of every day. And in that time, I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to listen to you. Would you begin every day giving God the first 15 minutes? Apply that principle of first in your life. So let's move on to fasting. Spent more time on prayer than I wanted to. Fasting. Why do we fast? Matthew chapter 6. I told you that we were going to get there. I'm going to read several scriptures here. I'm going to jump around, and I want you to just stick with me. If you don't want to follow in your Bible or on your device, just jot these down and then come back to them and revisit them. Prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And some of you don't really understand fasting, and that's okay. We're going to talk about fasting today, and we're going to talk about fasting for the next three weeks. We're going to go through this together, and we're going to spur one another towards Jesus Christ. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is giving some assumptions, and it's actually some instruction instruction to His followers. We find at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6 the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus doesn't just talk about prayer here. He talks about prayer and fasting. And we focus on the Lord's Prayer, and we can say Thee, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy. We get that part of it, but we leave out the rest of what Jesus was talking about that is surrounding the Lord's Prayer. And so look at Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 1 and 2. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have received no reward from your Father in heaven. So here's what a modern translation is. Just just bear with me then, okay? Bear with me through my modern translation of Matthew 6.1. This is what Jesus is saying. Be careful that you're not boasting as you spend time in prayer and fasting. Do not go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and TikTok, etc., and tell everybody what a good follower you are because you're spending time in prayer and fasting. There's a modern translation. Jesus is saying, don't boast about what you're doing in relationship with God. And so, you can encourage others through your walk with the Lord. But you don't promote yourself. That's, that's what Matthew 6, 1 says. And then look at verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. It's interesting to me, and I wanted to read the beginning of Matthew 6, these five verses, or these four verses, because Jesus is talking to us about prayer. But before he gets to prayer and before he gets to fasting, he says there's something else that you've got to couple with that. And he begins by the, with the assumption is you're giving, giving to the needy. He doesn't say in Matthew chapter 6, if you give to the needy. He says, but when you So he's making the assumption here as all of this is coupled together. Do you know why God, Jesus is making that assumption? Because he's showing us the heart of God. He's saying when you pray and when you fast, you're going to be in tune with the heart of God. And he's pointing out here that there are some people that are in need and that has touched the heart of God. And whenever you pray and whenever you fast, you're going to begin to see other people through the eyes of God. You're not going to live in your own um, ideas of who they are, in your own thoughts of who they are, but instead you're going to see people for who God truly made them to be. And you know what? This is why it's important that we spend time in prayer and fasting. And then in verse 5, Jesus said, And when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in heaven. In verse 6, but when you pray, again, Jesus is making the assumption that if you're in relationship with God, you are going to spend time in prayer to God. No problem, Jesus is saying. This is normal. This is the pattern that you should have in your life. Then skip down to verse 16 and verse 18. Then we get the Lord's Prayer, so we understand that. And then coupled right after that, so we have seeing people for who God made them to be, giving to the needy, supporting them. And then we have prayer. And right after that, we have some verses on fasting. Verse 16, 17 and 18. When you fast, do not look somber to the hypocrites as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, that they've received their full reward. But when you fast, do you sketch what Jesus said here? He again is making the assumption that if you are a follower of Christ, that you are going to fast in some way, shape, or form. We think, well, wait a minute. Isn't fasting just for the religious fanatics? Absolutely not. Jesus is teaching his followers, and there's a lot of them at this point, point. and Jesus is saying to them, when you give to the needy, he's assuming that you're going to do that, because that's what it means to be in relationship with God. You see other people for who God made them to be. He then says, but when you pray, again, he's making the assumption knowing that if you are a follower of Christ, you're going to spend time in prayer. And then here he says, but when you fast, again, he's making the assumption that this is what it means to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that a little legalistic? Absolutely. Absolutely not. It is not. It is for everyone who is in relationship with God. Why? Because prayer and fasting are tools that lead you closer to God. Again, this is what you need to become more Christ-like. You've got to apply these principles. Our movement, the Church of God that we're a part of, has had some amazing, amazing, amazing teachers throughout the decades that we've been around. One of them was Dr. James Earl Massey, an amazing communicator and teacher. And this is what he says about fasting. Fasting is important in the Christian experience because it deepens within the whole self a sense of one's dependence upon the strength of God. Fasting is more than just giving up something. It's an affirmative act. It's a way of waiting on God. It is an act of surrender. Fasting tends to induce within us an awareness of the spiritual dimension of life. It leads us direct to the heart of God. It expands our consciousness, permitting us to learn from wider dimensions of life in the kingdom of God. This is what we must do. The spiritual value of the act can be understood only in terms of the the spiritual experience and one that the follower of Christ must apply to their lives. Dr. James Earl Massey was writing to us about the disciplines that a follower of Christ has to have in their life. And in this as he's addressing fasting, what he is really saying if you kept reading in his book about reading in his book about spiritual disciplines, he's saying is we have to humble ourselves before God. And one of the ways that you humble yourself before God is to actually give something up because God says, "Oh yes, they're not just giving me mere words." And they're not just counting mere minutes that they're spending with me at the beginning of each day, but they are sacrificing something, and so therefore they mean business because they are crucifying the flesh, they're humbling themselves before God, and therefore God knows that we mean it because we're serious, because we are sacrificing self so that we can be in tune with a holy God. And that's what fasting is, is it's choosing God before we choose ourselves. And sacrificing something so that we can be in tune with God. And so what I want to ask you to do is not only spend the first 15 minutes of your day with God. Remember, worshiping, talking, and fasting. But I want you to couple with that. Putting the car and the trailer together. The two working in tandem together. I want to ask you to to fast and sacrifice something. So what do I mean by fast? There are lots of ways to fast. Fast. But whenever we hear fasting, we immediately think of food. And you can fast from food. There's lots of examples of that in Scripture. But fasting is so much more than just food. Let's think about fasting from food. There's a lot of ways that you can fast from food. Some people give up food for an entire day. Whenever Jesus, before Jesus was actually, um, when Jesus was actually tempted, he had gone through a fast, and he had spent 40 days fasting. I'm not asking you to give up 21 days in this time of prayer and fasting. I'm asking you to fast from something. Maybe it is food. Maybe it's from something else. Maybe you give up one meal a day. Maybe over these 21 days, you say, God, I'm going to give up uh, lunch, or I'm going to give up dinner, and then I'm going to fast that and sacrifice myself, sacrifice that for myself, so that I can have a, a more rich, deeper time with you. Or maybe in this time, you're not going to give up an entire meal. Maybe you would give up one item in that. Maybe it's sugar. Maybe it's chocolate. Maybe it's meat. Maybe, maybe something in that food realm that you're saying over these next 21 days it's something I love and I'm going to fast from it. I'm going to give it up so that as I pray and fast over these 21 days I will be in tune with your heart. There's lots of different ways that you can fast with food but I want to encourage you to think about it, pray about it and see what the Lord lays on your heart that you're going to give up. Some of you may say, I'm not gonna give up food. I'm gonna do something else. Maybe in these 21 days, you give up social media. You say, I'm I'm not gonna even pick up my phone. I'm not gonna log into a computer. I'm not gonna pick up a tablet. I'm not going to be communicating with anybody or letting anybody communicate with me through social media because I wanna be communicating with God. Or maybe you say, in these 21 days, I'm gonna give up the news. I'm not gonna turn on the news. I'm not going to tune in to the news and what's going on in the world because I'm going to tune in to God. Maybe you give up TV. You fast from TV in these 21 days. Maybe you give up reading anything except the Word of God. There are a lot of different ways to fast and a lot of different things that you can sacrifice and give up in these 21 days. But what's at the top of your list that you can't live without? What's at the top of your list that you just have to have every single day? I want to encourage you to give that up. Just for 21 days. Pick it up in 22. But I think that if we'll spend these 21 days with God, we'll get to 22 and realize it wasn't that important to begin with. Would you give up something for God? I'm not talking about giving up algebra homework for God, right? (laughs) I'm not talking about giving up paying your bills for God in this 21 days. I'm talking about something that really has captivated your heart, something that really matters to you, would you give that up for God for these next 21 days? I honestly believe that if you will spend these 21 days in prayer and fasting, giving up something for God, you're going to see God do some amazing things in your life, and we'll see some God do some miraculous things in the life of this church and our ministries that have all come from our time spent in prayer and fasting with God. I want to end with a passage of Scripture from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's a little lengthy, but I want want you to hear this passage of Scripture. I want to encourage you to go back and read 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Listen, as I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read through about verse 16. I want you to, to listen to this, because I want you to grasp what's happening. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Minuites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some of the men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So you see, he's going to spend time in prayer and fasting himself, but the king is saying, I want everybody to be praying and fasting. And listen, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek Him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, O God, God of our fathers, You're the God who's in heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in Your hand, and no one can withstand You. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Listen to this. Listen to this. See, now they're repaying us, and they're coming to drive us out of the possession of the land that you gave us as an inheritance. So, Lord, you judge them. For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. You see, they're pleading with God. They're saying, God, we have to have you. But listen to the next sentence. We do not know what to do, so our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, so our eyes are on you. Are there some areas in your life where you don't know what to do? Are there some areas that you've been grasping with and you're like, God, I've tried. I've read, I've studied, I've talked to the experts. I've tried to resolve this on my own. I've gone to the banker, I've gone to the doctor, I've gone to the educators, I've gone to the religious, I've done all of this work, and God, I just don't know what to do. If so, the last part of that sentence has got to be what you apply over these next 21 days in prayer and fasting. So our eyes are on you. Well, how do you do that? It's in prayer and fasting. I think this morning that God has tugged on our heart strings, the strings of our mind. And I think that he's revealed some things to you that you need to lay at his feet over these next 21 days. And in prayer and fasting, you can say, God, I don't know what to do. So my eyes are on you. I'm not going to look to this, that, or the other. I'm just going to put my eyes on you. You know what the promise of the song that we sang this morning was? Why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning, and we're going to sing this song again. And I want you to let this be your proclamation today as we begin these 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's Him where I've put my firm foundation, and it's Him that I am going to stand on, and it's in Him that I'm going to keep my eyes on. I've built my life on Jesus. Let's sing this as our proclamation as we celebrate that He's a God who will not fail us. Thanks for joining us at White Chapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.